Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons. Jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story. We are not really going to get back to, quote, normal until there's a vaccine. I could literally do one of those uh anthrax 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 montages or this is very unsafe for our dangerous for our democracy like just one of those things where everyone's saying the exact same thing from every news outlet from the science community everything we are not getting through that until there's a vaccine and then there's another mantra that i started hearing over and over again this is about facts this is about science we're going to follow the facts we're going to follow the science which Actually, the one person I heard say it, I mean, I've heard lots of people say it, but Governor Newsom, the California governor, said it today. And I told you like a week or two ago that I saw a sit rep. You know how they have like private intelligence firms, private information firms? Yeah. I think Stratfor is one of them. Well, these companies are hiring these guys to like give them the inside scoop, like real data. So we don't get fucking real data. They get, you know what I mean? Like they yeah. get the real data. And, uh, and the data was like, it is clear that in California, it's going to peak like April 13th. Like when they've been in lockdown for a month or whatever it is, they're peaking April 13th. Newsom keeps saying mid May, but. There are no studies that support that. And this is the, and then today, yesterday, Newsom was just like, facts, 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 science, science, science. We need a vaccine. And I just, you know, it's obvious that's what they're going for. And I'm really starting to worry that after the shakeout, so they're shaking out small businesses, they're shaking people out of their jobs. And the only thing that's going to remain standing are these global corporations or whatever, something big, something that got a bailout, something that's beholden to the government. And it's going to harken to Event 201 and to something I'm going to tell you about in a little bit, this Rockefeller Foundation study. But it's but with respect to Event 201, it's going to be this public-private partnership stuff where even without telling you that the government's behind it or this is a, a, certified, a coordinated effort, they're going to make those vaccination requirements private. So if you want to go to a concert, you want to go to a sporting event, that venue will require you know, because they don't want liability or whatever their story is going to be. It doesn't have to be a law that everybody gets vaccinated. It just has to be impossible for you to do anything, to do anything. Yeah. without the vaccination. Yeah. This again, I bring this book up a lot. The how we advertised America to get us into World War One was all about going around to the corporations, to private companies and to either strong arming them into doing what the government wants them to do when it comes to preventing what people can say or censoring, you know, you know censoring out stuff that, that is uh, inconvenient to them. And or it was convincing them that it was their civic duty to, for the United States to survive to do it. So that way they could say that they weren't ta- the government wasn't taking away people's rights or violating the Constitution. And when you start paying everybody off and they start becoming addicted to the bailouts or low interest rates or whatever it is yeah. or whatever access they have to the regulatory bodies, like you were saying yesterday, it's like, hey, governor, why don't you make me an essential service? If, if the, he says, okay, just require vaccines for anybody who comes in your door. There you go. I mean, that's how simple it can be. But speaking of war, so last night, I just had this like insight that it, what's happening. So like people are looking for this, let's go, you know, just reopen America. And I'm saying like, worry about the data, whatever. I understand if you're really scared, it's, 
you know, then you can talk about what to do then. But here's the thing that's really at the bottom of this that's driving me crazy. And it's, it's clear to everybody, like crisis and Leviathan. But what, but what's really happening, and this is also informed by the Rockefeller report I'm going to tell you about, is that people are trading all of this stuff because of the coronavirus. So they're just like, well, for two months, you can take anything. But that's not what you're doing. You're trading what humanity expects from society or government or the community or whatever. What we expect forever. It's a, it's a permanent trade-off. And I'm not, you know, I know that's like obvious, but just there's a deeper insight there that like we have made it clear that we will and are giving up everything we consider to be essential to humanity or to liberty, to spirituality. We're being steamrolled. We are being, I mean, we are maybe being steamrolled, but I'm saying we're giving it up on purpose. Like we're giving it up voluntarily. We're kidding ourselves into thinking that it's a, it's a, well, I will trade two months of servitude or whatever, two months of isolation for saving 65 million lives. But I'm saying it's, it's more, it's the long term problem is that you're giving up everything. Maybe you're accepting a vaccination from a guy whose only goal in life is to reduce the population. So 65 million people is nothing to that guy. He's not doing this to save 65 million lives or to cost 65 million lives. He's doing this for 650 million lives or 6.5 billion lives. If you look at the Georgia Guidestones, if he's part of that cabal, they wanted to get down the human population to be down to 500 million. You understand? So like, this is, this is about that. This is about that big picture. And we're just giving it all away right now. So I was like a little depressed about this. And I said to my son, I mean, I'm not depressed, but I just like, it was a bummer. So I said to my son, I was like, you know, I'm really worried about like what humanity is going through right now. And he said, don't worry about it. Uh, There have been wars worse than this. And it's true. These wars were worse than this because everything that we're experiencing was also coupled with the 65 million deaths. So, I mean, it is not like something we haven't been through before, but I just feel like the way that they can implement technology, it'll be almost impossible for us to get anything back now. It's not going to be they took two steps forward and we get one step back. It's like two steps forward and mm, you're lucky if you can hold that line. Yeah. And regardless of what one believes about the virus to what you're saying, the public is demonstrating its servitude on a mass scale, its willingness to just shut in and do whatever when presented with something that they believe is a genuine threat or fear to their well-being. So that shows anybody who's a dictator a future uh, that 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 is a, this is a case study for future dictators and how to make an entire society just completely submit and i actually think that it's inversely correlated to the actual like a uh, human the nobility of man i always look at like you know a testament to the nobility of man i love that and uh, and i feel like as we are just more and more creatures of comfort more and more cogs in the wheel more and more attached to this sensual experience and a lack of pain, 
we get more and more desperately afraid of the disruption, that we're more and more committed, like more and more narcissistic and self-absorbed and compromising the less kind of inherent value we have. But what would happen, I think, in this situation for like so many of us who are kind of like, this is messed up, we could... I think that like as I read more of this stuff about like technology and and the implications of technology and how really devastating it is to the nobility of man. So I was reading the Kaczynski book, but now I'm reading other books and almost all of them, if not all of them, are have spiritual elements. Even his like guru Jacques Ellul was a spiritualist anarchist, I think maybe like Tolstoy. I have to double check that. But then um, Eugene O'Neill, who is a playwright, like he had the same thing, he hated technology, but his answer was spirituality. And that is like, if you look into Catholicism, for example, that's what I'm familiar with, that materialism is bad. It's a vice. Spiritualism is kind of the opposite of that. It's almost like a zero sum game. So if they did, so that's why I think it's so significant. They closed the churches first during Lent, like on the first, the last time I received communion, it was like, before Ash Wednesday, I think the Sunday yeah. before Ash Wednesday, and they didn't just because close people them. would have turned to that, and then we wouldn't be desperate, and we would be increasing our spirituality. But they've closed them all, except for maybe mosques. I don't know. Then they didn't just close them; they're throw. They're using. They are literally pulling tactics directly from the CIA OSS simple sabotage manual. I went back and looked at this last night, and this tactic is in there: the throwing of nails all over a parking lot in order to destroy their tire. I mean, they're doing terror. Like we talk about terrorist actions against people who are trying to go to church. And in one of the cases in Mississippi, they were going to church. They were all in their cars. So they were still abiding by the social distancing and they still broke it up. So I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah, the car thing is like it's it's like you're signaling. It's you know, it's that virtue signaling. And I have to say the one thing that I think that I do that I think is is really important is any interaction I have with any random person. I do this anyway in my life, but like now, especially if I go and run into anyone anywhere on any line, I make sure I tell the person in front of me and the person behind me, I think this is bullshit and we should wake the fuck up. And then I just feel like if there's one in a hundred people who's thinking to himself, wow, I don't know anyone else who thinks that, but I guess there is an underground out there where people are thinking that way, then people will just feel like it's okay to think that. But if you, it's like your halo effect or something, if they think that it's not okay Spiral to think Spiral of silence. Yeah. And I just, so I just try to make sure that everybody knows there's, there is at least one human being left in the world, in their world. And yeah. that's me. I mean, it's you, it's everybody's listening, but I'm just saying you, you can do that online at, 7-Eleven or whatever. And I think there are more people that think that way than we realize because we're not seeing it in the media because protests have emerged around the country. The one that did make it into the news and it made it into the news in a pretty predictable way is the one that I brought up yesterday, the one that happened in Michigan, Operation Gridlock, where the protesters, the, the, the plan was to protest in their cars so that they maintain proper social distancing. So they, they make let their voices be heard without jeopardizing becoming an example to be made of, you know, but unfortunately that 
that did not. There's people that got out despite the pleas from the organizers. Oh, a bunch of people got, got out, out in reporting of it, and I'm sure you can guess the the way that the the story writes it is about how the people that got out were chanting "lock her up" at the Michigan governor. So they're trying to paint them as extreme right wingers, and they talk about how it's people from the Liberty Movement and people who were carrying "Don't Tread on Me" flags, getting out of the car, blocking traffic, violating social distancing. Those people were planted. Well, no you're doubt. probably right. And the Facebook page of the event has all these comments about don't do that. It's saying kind of what we're saying here. Don't get out of your car. Don't give them a reason to do it. But people did. And this is going to happen across the country. This will spur more protest. Whether we see them, I don't know. But this, what this does is it shows that people are reaching a breaking point and it shows that other people are doing it, which is going to give other people the strength to do it as well, which is going to put the governor's. At, in a position of, do we either show that this whole thing is a facade and we just allow people to gather, or do we actually strictly start to enforce some of these rules? And I'm interested to see where that goes if these measures aren't relaxed. They might relax some of the measures to allow it. But in Raleigh, North Carolina, there were some people that organized a protest, and they busted it up. They arrested some people, and they put a post on the police department's Twitter page that said that organizing that the right to assemble is not an essential activity. Oh, yeah, I so saw So they suspended that. the right to assemble See, officially. See, but then they, they should not be passing legislation. What that, the, the Virginia guy did, p- passing all those gun control measures, I can understand the argument for Pelosi doing the bailout that has to do with this thing. I mean, it's awful. It's terrible. It's obviously bull. And Trump saying the infrastructure thing is like, uh, you know, is a jobs program straight out of FDR, by the way. But they're at least relevant. But to slip stuff in that is not relevant to the emergency while the protections from government overreach are being suspended I mean, that should be that should be protested. That's what we should try to overturn. He passed some more legislation, the Virginia guy. He passed the gun legislation a few days ago. The red flag. Yeah. Yeah. The red flag yesterday. He signed a Clean Energy Act, which is basically like a Green New Deal type thing for Virginia. So he's just pushing all kind of stuff through right now. Interesting. I wonder if all these states that are going to get their bailouts and probably exchange it for like vaccine regulations are also going to participate in some kind of infrastructure protocol, either funding, matching funds, or this is how we're going to do it that they're all going to be in lockstep because $2 trillion isn't really going to be enough to change the infrastructure to be like driverless. But I mean, I think that's where we're headed. And I think that this is all about getting the states to just, I mean, not that they're not obviously already doing it. Submit. But yeah. Already. Just do the same thing. Follow the plan. Get yeah. the program. I want to quickly remind people that we are having a Patreon party tomorrow. A disappearing patron party. A disappearing patron party. Two drinks, one hour, no one record. One hour, two cocktails, no okay. record. Get, you, got, yeah. I got, you know, I really get, I'm so proud no, of No, it's a great slogan. Lines. That's why I prompted you so that you <laughs> one would. One hour, two cocktails, no record. It's the disappearing patron party. Okay, fantastic. You can, so You can go to different ones, but you cannot see. Once it's gone, it's gone. What happens at the disappearing patron party disappears. Stays somewhere in an NSA <laughs> data lab. <laughs> But disappears otherwise. So join uh, for five bucks. Don't tell (laughs) me that. I'm the one you want to think it disappears. Yeah. All right. So I want to know. Tweet at us at Freedom Act Radio at the Monica Press Show. These vaccines at Monica Press Show. These these (laughs) vaccines 
the mandatory vaccines are coming. Like people have talked about this for a long, long time, and it's always been kind of a distant thing that they definitely wanted, but. And maybe there's a, an occasional case, like you go back to that case from, I think it was like 1918, where they forced uh, the measles vaccine on, on some people. But like, it didn't seem like a physical reality. That has changed because it is a, it is going to become a physical reality very, very soon. What are people going to do? When faced with the choice, you have to get a vaccine yeah. or not? I really think that it's going to be a participation thing. It's like school. So when they do it in places where it's mandatory vaccinations for schools, they don't go to your house and hold your kid down and shoot it, but they don't let them do anything. And eventually that realm of not being able to do anything is going to expand. Plus, they'll do like public places. So you won't be able to protest at the mall in D.C. because it's a public space that's allowed to be regulated in that way. And that's why one of the many reasons I don't believe in public spaces But I think, so this is what I think about the vaccines. Can I tell you? Yeah. So I've been, I I noticed in February, I might have mentioned it, that I think it was February, within two days, I got two of the most compelling videos I have ever seen supporting the anti-vax narrative. One was a montage from the World Health Organization Vaccine Safety Summit from December in Switzerland. And the other, I talked about this the other day, the other was Dr. Shiva at MIT. He's got four degrees from MIT. He's a professor there. He invented email. He's running against Elizabeth Warren. He opens every show with, I'm fighting the deep state. And he explains in really compelling detail or in a really graspable overview what is the problem with that the vaccines and how adjuvants like aluminum or mercury go in there and they kind of um, hypersensitize your acquired immune system so that the kind of benign pathogens that they're inserting, that, that they're injecting into you from these diseases like dead DNA or whatever can actually get your immune system to produce antibodies against that disease, even though it's kind of dead, it doesn't give you the disease, by by basically exploding that thing with mercury and aluminum. But some people are hypersensitive to it. That's how you get like a, a gut biome results in autism, something like that, he explained. And he said they never really tested how it works and the safety of those things and if the trade-off is worth it and it really needs to be tested and examined. And they did said almost the exact same thing in that World Health Organization, like, hidden video. And I thought, oh, yeah. in all my life, I have never seen anything that validates the vaccine. That stuff is squashed like Michelle Obama saying Whitey. Like, you are never, ever seeing that. So I, I've been wondering, you know, and Dr. Shiva all of a sudden is making the scene, and he's got, like, these weird bullshit dog whistle catchphrases that I'm like, eh, so, uh, so when we were talking about this the other day, I was like, you know, I wonder if it's going to be this Inovio or a vaccine like that where it actually penetrates these cells and alters or splices into the DNA. And that's the new vaccine. So it isn't this thing that they're all talking about now, which is what the anti-vaxxers were always talking about. And because the Shiva thing reminded me so much of Edward Snowden, where he said he didn't say we need to not have these policies. He said, we need to have the conversation 
on if these policies are worth it and if they're legal. And I said, he's opening the door to just making a law that makes them legal. You know, he's not, there's no principle at stake for him. It's just process. It's form. And then we did get that law, the USA Freedom Act, as you have. <laughs> I saw, I, I think it might have been a Ron Paul post who was talking about a patriot-like act, a freedom, freedom-like act for vaccines or for the medical industry. To protect us or to protect them? I don't know. I didn't yeah. I didn't read well, enough into it, but it, thing, it struck me similar to what you said there. Yeah, I mean, it's going to... So I think that what they're doing is setting us up to say, you know what? And this is what happens when they find a new patent. This is kind of what somebody told me, like Monsanto, the Roundup and all that stuff. Um, they They were going to all of a sudden start losing the lawsuits against this, what they were doing... Um, Roundup is bad, I guess, and it causes cancer or something, but they kept winning the lawsuits, Monsanto. And somebody told me, you know, that patent is up, so they don't care about it anymore, and they have something new. So if they can demonize the old thing, yeah. I think it was Roundup, then they can introduce the new thing. So it actually works in their favor. So Monsanto sold to Bayer, so it wasn't even an American company anymore. So now it's a German company. I was like, that's going to start happening. And it may or may not have started happening, but something like that started to happen, and I just completely see with this thing that they're going to demonize the old stuff so that we can bring in this new stuff, which is probably just as bad, if not worse, and it's less tested because it's not out. In the, like these vaccines have been to 7 billion people, and maybe 1% of the people get hurt, but who knows? This other thing could change the human genome forever. You know what I mean? Like We know how far this goes. It, it, that's a great point. As I mentioned yesterday, Bill Gates, who is funding some of these vaccine, trying to create these RNA vaccines, which are some form of gene editing. I think that's what this is. It's Novio, and it went up 10% today. Like, they're they're doing it. And he gave them, I just read today, he gave them $5 billion. He's trying Inovia. to help create these. It's worth, I think it's $5 billion, yeah. It's worth know. pointing out again that he was also behind the creation of gene edited mosquitoes which i mentioned oh i think God, yesterday right. which his purpose was to make them infertile so that they cannot reproduce so that he they could wipe out quote invasive species and now we're seeing him behind a vaccine which is using similar technology gene but it editing right the his backfired, backfired and it made like right. superpowered mosquitoes and is he the guy who wants to fight malaria and stuff like that was that? what he was doing it for was to eradicate malaria right but of course malaria was going to get you know if it backfires then then yeah. it backfires so the guy creating the vaccines has a history of creating gene well, edited stuff vaccine, to try and eliminate an invasive yeah. species and his polio vaccine did the exact same thing that the Salk vaccine did which was everybody thinks Jonas Salk was a hero his vaccine is not the polio vaccine that became in universal usage because of the Cutter incident, which was when it conveyed live polio to people and they were getting sick. Oh Bill Gates gosh. did the exact same thing in India. And I think maybe it happened in Italy too. Yeah. Nobody cares. people actually put got ev- sick yeah. from the vaccine. And he gets interviews on every single, he is everywhere right now. He's on foreign news channels. He, I mean, he's like, he's like Fauci almost. And you know who else is everywhere? Everywhere behind the numbers everywhere who what is the number one academic source for the numbers the cdc no the academic source tell me johns hopkins oh right yeah i mean you've seen that everywhere they're the one who has the santa tracker 
Oh I my mean, the gosh, corona that's tracker, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just every time I see the CDC is they've um, repurposed that, the Santa Hopkins. tracker to track the coronavirus. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> then they're going to have like side by side images or like this was actually the Santa tracker. The, you know yeah. what I mean? Like the way they show the New York hospital and the Italian hospital. That uh, this was hilarious. actually the same picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if was, they accidentally was... <laughs> put the Santa tracker went up and it's like the coronavirus <laughs> is spreading as you see it flying and it's sled across. the. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, no laughing. The story about the origin of this virus is continuing to is continuing to be talk of it coming from the Wuhan lab, and you're hearing various. And this is being put out there so people can explore the various theories and whatnot and keep people confused and occupied. But I, fa I found it interesting that one of the stories now is the same origin story as the movie Outbreak, where, where Patrick Dempsey's character steals an infected animal from a testing lab that he works in and he sells it. He sold it to a pet shop, but the story that w one of the stories that <laughs> I heard is that somebody stole an infected animal and they sold it to the wet market, and that's the origin <laughs> of the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like we're, now we're watching the movie Outbreak live. Oh yeah, this makes me want to vomit. Those wet markets, it is, it is like they're really demonizing that culture. It's I guess they eat exotic animals, and they have to be really fresh. So oh. it's actually to me. It it feel it does feel like theoretically a more sanitary thing because a live animal to eat something dead like you would never come upon a dead cow and eat it. No, I you wouldn't. know what I'm saying because <laughs> <You're right. laughs> like, there's something wrong with it. So like and it starts to rot right away. Yeah. So if you are gonna keep an animal, you want to keep it alive until you're ready to eat it. Yeah. So, but I guess it's considered an unsanitary environment, but I don't know. I do think there's an element of demonizing eating animals, of demonizing like this offbeat culture or whatever, not that's not offbeat, but I mean a culture that's not westernized or sterilized. Yeah. All of this talk and whether it's true or not is irrelevant. It, what, all that matters is what the public starts to believe. And I try to follow some of these polls. I know that polls are not reliable. They can be manipulated. But just trying to gauge how many people are sharing and uh, promoting this the theory that China is behind it that, it, that it released from a lab, either intentionally or unintentionally, because... It's starting to make those war drums I mentioned yesterday beat louder. Maybe it's a cold war, like you said. Definitely, China, the, the position of an enemy to America is, is definitely being thrust into the public mind right now. So I heard on Fox this morning that the, that the real story is not the conspiracy theory that it was a bioweapon, but that it was the benign, generous story that China was trying to flex its muscle, demonstrate its acumen in in working with vaccines, and that they actually weren't as good as they thought, so it got out. So like you're so this story is like equally unsubstantiated, lacking in evidence, far fetched, but because it doesn't imply intent. It's not a conspiracy. You know, it's the accidental theory, yeah. not the conspiracy theory. And that's okay. You need to understand that it's that's okay. Yeah. That thinking people are actually up to no good is preposterous unless it's anyone but us, you know, anyone uh -huh. but the person speaking. And Facebook is now, if you like a post that is 
related to a coronavirus conspiracy, when you like it, they will put a warning up that tells you that you are liking and spreading disinformation. And they probably put you on some sort of list, if I had to guess. But that that's pretty crazy that alternative theories, when there is no definitive theory as to what happened, and some of the alternative theories now are more more and more plausible because they're they're almost the same as some of the mainstream theories exactly. but only slightly different but if you like one of those you get this warning that you're spreading disinformation this it's is Orwellian like tra- training you yeah. You know, they're training you like you the way you prune a tree, like training right. to yeah. understand a certain way of thinking. So when I like I heart stuff on Twitter all the time, I basically like anything someone sent me that I've read as an, a way to acknowledge. Because I get I mean, the Twitter thing is out of control at this point. Like it's a self, you know, it's a self-perpetuating machine <laughs> yeah. like it grows exponentially. So if you start conversing with people, they will tweet back at you. So you're just, it'll never stop. I love it. And it's like probably a little bit of an addiction at this point. But I will like anything that I read. So as an acknowledgement to the person that I did actually read it, sometimes I'll retweet it, sometimes I'll respond. But if I'm in a hurry, I'll just like it. And uh, some of the stuff I do like, but I would never retweet or say myself because I found that with Twitter, the stuff that anytime I've heard anybody get taken down is for being abrasive for being abrasive. Yeah. So anything that's like cursy or whatever, I'm not going to retweet it because I'm not ready to get taken down. But I like them. I like stuff that I would not retweet. And I wondered like what where the algorithm was going to go with the liking. Yeah. But, so... If I if I stop liking your stuff, I'm sorry. definitely it's not that I don't like it. <laughs> coronavirus like related it algorithms. Like another thing that Facebook did is they removed a post from the Brazilian president who promoted the use of hydrochloroquine as working, and they also oh. removed a post where someone, I think it was Laura Ingram, she just said that there's been promising results. A post saying that there's been promising results about a drug was removed by Facebook. I have to tell you in the patron 15 how like the parallels with other countries like they just re recycle the same scripts. I've got one about yeah. the Bernie Sanders the UK version. Fantastic. And I've got some stuff about what Ford is doing in their factories to help people properly social distance. It's pretty interesting as well as how Taiwan is um filling up baseball stadiums. Yikes. Yeah, it's I don't pretty interesting. <laughs> And guys, again, Friday, 8 o'clock, we're having the party. Disappearing patron party. Disappearing patron party. One hour, two cocktails, no record. There you go. Only you, for patrons. You and guys, it's filling up fast. So I think the, we may, this may not, we may not be able to sustain this as a basic subscription item because it's going to get so full. But we have a special guest, Pete Aquinones from Free Man Beyond the Wall. So I believe that his patrons will also be there. So we're, it's going to be a mixer. Right, we're going to have a bunch of... Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. So join in, it'll be fun. And you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with a Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.